Well, good evening, good evening, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to About That Life broadcast, podcast. This is yours truly, Bishop Quincy Wolfgang Watkins. I'm lead pastor of the Neighborhood Church, and I'm also a senior advisor to multiple organizations in New York and D.C., so I'm glad that you joined our podcast, our first podcast, of the 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 toward the end of the year of about that life where we where we talk about uh, issues and dialogue with things that deal with faith and culture. So I'm just excited just to explore this with you and let's talk. So I'm going to uh, kick off on some on some uh, kind of conversation and then I'll open it up for everyone else to have some comments and feedback. So. As I said about that life, I mean, when you think of this uh, particular term, I think the millennials kind of own this term. It talks about the uh, the seriousness or the veiled of commitment to something. And uh, sometimes the person says about that life, it's a reference that uh, I'm not uh, I'm not someone that's naive or someone that uh, uh, that's use- useless, but I'm someone that carries a weight and some substance, and I and I've been there and done that. So we know experience matters the most. And I thought by the, having this first podcast, we could really dive into a subject that that really matters the most to me, and this is particularly for those that are believers, those that have professed uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We want to talk about our relationship with God. And the question I posed out for this particular podcast is, are we giving God sloppy seconds or giving God sloppy seconds? And I know just hearing that for the first time, it doesn't seem like the uh, the thought of God and sloppy seconds should go together. And I agree with it. I mean, it doesn't. It, it definitely doesn't fit. But in reality, and we have to talk about it tonight, that that there is in an unintentional or maybe intentional way where we are uh, not giving God our very best, and we're we're considering Him an afterthought. And after we've done everything else, then we turn to God. So that's something we need to talk about. And uh, that is, is it okay to give God sloppy seconds? And and I I personally would say, as as I look at all the stats of all all of the statistics over the last uh, ten years, there's been a in the West, which is the U.S., there's been a decline in uh, participation in church and people in terms of their church attendance, in terms of their devotion and faithfulness to the Lord, et cetera. So we've seen a decline in the West, but we've also seen there are many people that uh, are, are in a sense, identifying themselves as a Christian. And this, so one way we can look at it is what does, what does it mean to be a Christian? We are one, one that, is, that has a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that entail? that after you've made the confession, after the Holy Spirit, et cetera, what are the next things there? That's, uh, that's one. And then how important is our, our relationship to, uh, to God once we have that commitment to that? So I'm looking forward to kind of discussing this further with you guys, but, but I think this is a 911 call to those who are Christians that we need to do a self-evaluation. We need to look at ourselves and say, how healthy is my relationship with God? A, do I just treat him as, as, as someone I can get something from? I only look at God as an emergency exit or I look at him as, 
an ATM. I mean, someone that that has generously supplied our our needs and even our wants. Or do I really want to have a substantial relationship with him? And I I tend to lean toward that that, that I think that we need to have a very serious and a committed relationship to God, and we should not pass him off um, as sloppy seconds. I mean, after we've done everything we're you know everything we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, we've given away all of our time, talent, and resources to other things. Then, whatever that's left over or whatever that's unused, we take to give it to God. But the Bible speaks to the contrary of that. It actually adds for first place in our life. And I think a lot of the frustration that people who are trying to have a relationship with God are finding out that you and I cannot incorporate God in our lives. I mean, okay, let me find a time or an opportunity. How do I fit God in? You know, how do I fit my relationship with God in and other things? We finding out that's, you know, that's 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 impossible. You know, we we don't fit God in. We must build our lives around Him. In other words, He has to be the modus operandi. He's the center in which all things flow, in which all things grow, that everything else should be an outflow of our relationship with him. And But you may have another group of people that think that that uh, the people people serve God too much or it's just too much of this this hoopla over God. But we have to ask ourselves, how important is our relationship with God? Now, you know, that's something I want to think about before I open it up for others to, to, to kind of chime in and have a conversation. That's one. And two, you know, in terms of my time, talent, resources, am I giving God my best or I'm giving him what I can? Or, matter of fact, do I have to give him my best? And that's one of the things that we need to ask ourselves, that do I have to give God my best? Because there's a struggle that feels like that, Everything that I have is mine, so it's relative. What I do with my time is up to me and that and whatever I want to do with that. So we need to really look at that now that we're in Christ, there has to be a reorientation of our lives. And, you know, should my life remain the same? I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, can, I should be able to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and I try to fit God in. Or is there a total reordering of my life where I must now fully surrender my life unto God, which entails things have to change. You know, things, priorities have to be shifted. You know, uh, the Lord, you know, he must be my number one priority. And I think this is this is where the greatest rub is, is uh, happening today. Another point is, that we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of open it up to this, is just, just the idea or, or the notion that, God time with God is now competing with our family time. And I hear that a lot. I don't know if you guys hear it, but I hear it a lot. They say, well, you know, uh, uh, I got to have vacation time. Well, I got to do this. I got to do that. Why well, didn't come to church? Why well, didn't really get a chance to read because I was doing all these family things. Now, and uh, you may think that family time is ahead of God or, or, or family then God. Um, but there are others that firmly believe that God is first over everything else. So, I mean, these are just some wonderful things that we need to talk about that we we need to, if we're giving God sloppy seconds, 
giving him the leftover, you know, giving him the last of the last portion of everything. Is that suitable? Are we really honoring God, or are we trivializing our relationship with Him? So at this time, I mean, I'll just open it up for uh, for those that want to uh, have a comment or feedback. I've said a mouthful in the first ten minutes, and looking forward to unpack that anymore. So if you have a, a comment or or a question or something, uh, you can just uh, star six. You can just uh, unmute. Uh, your, all all phones have been muted. But you can unmute and you can you can state your question or feedback. For those of this joy, we're talking about giving God our slop, giving God sloppy seconds. So, there is, so if you have a question or a comment, please feel free to chime in at this moment. You know, I was thinking as as the as the questions and comments coming, I was thinking about the story in the book of Daniel. Daniel talks about uh, these three of uh, look at Daniel is a fascinating story that chronicles the journey of three of these young young Israelites that were in Babylon captivity, and although they were teenagers, they were exceptionally gifted, and how the Lord promoted them in the midst of a foreign land, and how they were constantly in clash with their culture. But yet they remain faithful to their to their identity in God, and it just shows that their commitment to God had to be great in order for them to pass the test. And the three Hebrew boys, I think many of us are familiar with that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their relationship with God was put to the test. That they had, in a sense, to renounce their God, and they had to worship an idol, and they refused to do so. They refused, even even under the threat of their lives, they would rather die did to commit idolatry against their God. That's how much they prized their relationship with God. And, and, and their commitment was put to the test. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, was very angered. If you, if you get a chance to please read through that, it's such, such a fascinating story in Daniel chapter 3. And the king put them in the fiery furnace. And because of their stance against him, that he heated, heated the uh, fiery furnace seven times more. And we know the story. The story was that that they, they actually were in the fire, but the Lord supernaturally delivered them until even their clothing did not have any, any uh, odor of the fire. So that just shows that when we commit ourselves to God wholeheartedly, and even when we're put to the test, that we begin to see God's presence and power in our lives like never before. From my perspective, it was a win-win. Even if they would have lost their lives, let's just say they stood for the Lord and the Lord didn't, and he chose not to deliver them from this. Well, they gave God the highest honor by, by putting him first in all things, even above their life. And that's one of the things that I think that, that we miss about what does it mean to be a Christian and a believer. Uh, as the Greek word, we talk about a witness. A witness is actually the Greek word for martyr. A martyr is one who is willing to die for what they believe, and they're willing to renounce and willing to, to lose anything in order to maintain faithful. And I think today that this is what God is calling for. He's looking for those that will not give him the sloppy seconds. I mean, in terms of our time, how much time we give the Lord, you know, in terms of our reading and our praying and our studying and all these things. And, you know, today people actually get offended if you ask them, well, how much time do you spend in prayer? Or how much time do you read the scriptures? Or how many days per month do you fast? Or how many times do you go to church? 
You know, try asking someone those questions, and, and, and they'll actually think you're attacking them and judging them instead of just asking. I mean, you know, I want to know how vibrant and healthy of, of your relationship to God is. I think right now that this is, this is where it is, that people are looking, they're looking to go deeper and hire God, but they have to deal with the time issue. Everything else, you know, can be replaced, but time can't. The time must be given to God. Those that worship God will have to give him time. Those that serve God will have to give him time. Those that will be greatly used of God will have to give him time. We have to be willing to sacrifice time in order to draw close to the Lord. So so for others that have just joined in, I've heard a few more just joined in. We're, we're talking about giving God sloppy seconds. We've laid that out. Please feel free if you have a comment or a question. If you just want to chime in, just star six. And, and then we jump in. And, and one question I'll pose out for those that may want to ask, I mean, um, do you think in, in what instance do you think it's appropriate to put your relationship with your family above your relationship with God? You know, can, can we think of an instance where it's okay where family is first over God, over our relationship with God? So if there's any, can anyone think of any any instance where it's okay where family is family should be first, and my relationship with God should be after my family, in terms of how how uh, in terms of the time that I spent, the resources that I give, uh, of the things that I'm able to do, all of those things come after our, our, my family. Can anyone think of something like that? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Hi, good evening, Bishop. So this is, I think this is a topic that's necessary, but I think people shy away from it because, you know, people never want to be called out when they say they love the Lord, but then you ask them if their calendar reflects a relationship with him, and then they, you know, you, you, you see them get quiet because their calendar reflects everything else but time with the Lord. Um, and so what I find is that the enemy, he loves to present you with all these things, that um, you feel as though are more important than spending time with God, whether that be work, social, social, you know, events, um, your family, um, you know, just all kinds of things. He'll make you feel like your family should come before God when really the, the order, um, in my opinion, the order is that God's first. I mean, if you have no relationship with God, I find that people struggle in all other areas of their life when they're, not, when they're putting those things before God instead of putting God first, allowing him to control all of those areas of their lives. So I don't think there's ever a time where family comes before God. Um, right. I'd love to hear other thoughts, but that's just, those are my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you so much, April. Yeah, other, and, and, and I think you're spot on. I wanna, other thoughts you want to chime in about that? Okay, uh, but the question we just posed just quickly, is there any instance where we feel justified putting our family needs above our relationship with God, that God takes the back seat to, to things in our family? Praise the Lord, Bishop. Can you hear me? I hear you. Hi there. Okay. Hi, it's Rhonda. Uh, 
<laughs> Rhonda and Garrett. Let, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever a time that um, we should put other things before him. Uh, the Lord must come first and must be the head of our life in, in all areas because, again, uh, if we, you know, we have to we have to thank him for the family that he's even given us, you know, because he's in the beginning and ending of everything. So I don't ever think it's a time that we should put our family, our friends, or anything that we do before him. So it's important to seek him in all things and seeking him first. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's great, Lord. Yeah. I think this is this is the clarity call. I mean, it's not – there's a business term called of gap analysis, and it simply says that there is a distinction between the should versus the actual. And, the, and what should be happening is A, but what actually is happening is B. So we need to see how do we – how, how do we lessen the gap between the should versus actual? And there are some people that actually, they want to be close to God, but unintentionally are giving God sloppy seconds. And they have not developed the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of reading the scriptures, fasting, commitment to church, all of these kind of things as developing the spiritual muscles that we, we may have been told that salvation is all about us, that God comes to make you happy, he comes to make you wealthy. He comes, it's all about you becoming better and greater than that. Now, there is a, some truth to that. But however, salvation is a call to the greatest party in the world that, that now that all things are being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that now there's a new kingdom that's emerged, it's present where great things happen and where potential is being realized and fulfilled under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you and I, and I hate to use even the sloppy seconds, it's, a, it's kind of a really derogatory term that those that really know the origin of it, but that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're giving God the base, the absolute lowest time, lowest resources, lowest anything. We're just, we're not... We're not giving him respect that's commensurate with who he is. He's king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible says that, that the heaven is as strong, the earth is his footstool. So we serve that kind of God. And culture is, telling, culture is clashing with, um, with us at this moment that's telling us that the more sincere you are about your faith, the more you're labeled as a fanatic and things like that. So, so how, do you, you know, how do we combat that in terms of, you know, is there a fear of being labeled as a fanatic, or is, or or is there a such thing as serving God too much, or having too much love and compassion for God? Is there is there something we need to be be of uh, aware of that there's a danger in in being too committed to God? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you know if I chime in and as you as I told you, as this is our first episode and we're work, working through some good things and we'll we'll have some special guests coming on the next and, and even even a co-host. But I think this is just good that we get to to know each other and have this kind of informal conversation. I mean that that. This this is the most important thing I personally believe in our lives is our relationship with God. 
and that you and I will have to really make it more robust and stronger. I mean, we all can make our time with God stronger. That's, that's just across the board. We all can pray more, read more, fast more. I think we all get that. But I'm talking about the mindset that we must first know it's indispensable. Is it indispensable? Can I, can I be strong without prayer? Can I really understand the ways of God without reading the scriptures? Can I go to church ten times a year and really call myself a born-again Christian? I mean, all of these kind of things. I mean, you know, uh, should I just, you know, should I totally uh, assimilate it to the culture? Mean that I, I should not be different or set apart in that. That I should, you know, although that I'm, I'm quote-unquote committed to God, yet, I have, yet there's no difference with me and a person that's not committed to God. So we got all these, all these particular kind of things to think about. So any, any comments or feedback on that? Um, yes, Bishop, this is Hillary, and I just would like to speak if that's okay. Of course. Um, I just want to say that um, I know when I was starting out, um, in ministry at the age of 18, um, which was about oh, a long time ago, about 12 or 13 years ago. Well, no, I guess about 15 years ago. My parents, um, they, they're both in ministry, but they both told me at that time that I was so heavily minded that I was no earthly good. Um, they said that I spent too much time fasting, too much time in prayer, too much time seeking, seeking the Lord's face and, you know, everything that pertained to me concerned um, with going to church and just being in God's presence. But when I strayed away from the Lord and then coming back now, I understand that what I was doing, it really was necessary. It took all of that for me. It took all of that to keep me grounded and to keep me rooted in Christ and so I could be anchored in him. Wow, that's powerful. Now, how would you, now what would you say to us today? I mean, do you think that what you did earlier, early in your life, which is powerful, and I kind of, I kind of share a similar track, me coming to faith young and, and all those kind of things. What would you kind of say to us? Do you think that's absolutely necessary now to kind of regain that deep passion? Um, yes, it is necessary, and I've actually adopted that, that same lifestyle because I saw how it worked then, and I saw how effective my ministry was as far as fulfilling the needs and the role that God had called me to. So I know that it's necessary, and I'm – striving daily to to get back to that place and I'm very intentional about my time that I spend with God. I have alarms set on my phone all throughout the day to remind me, you know, no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at, to go into fervent prayer and just to seek the Lord's face and to just stay before him so I can constantly know his will. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And I want you just thinking about it, I mean, does any what would be if there is a standardized time, I look at the scriptures, we look at times when they had, when they prayed three times a day, and then the first church uh, prayed, prayed at least two to three times a day. So we do know that prayer was frequent in, in a believer's life. But I just think, just even today, and I give it kind of the multitasking, all the kind of things, what do you all would think would be the acceptable amount of times of prayer? And I'm not trying to make it regimented, or legalistic, but, I mean, we quantify a whole lot of things, so we just can't have everything just be kind of relative. I mean, just with the what do you all think? I mean, in terms of, so I want to chime in just to see what, what you think is would be considered an acceptable amount of time of prayer or reading the scriptures and things like that. 
Or is there is a threshold that say, hey, that's acceptable or not acceptable? Um, hey, Bishop, it's April again. I think, and just to go back to what Hillary said, which was extremely powerful, which was that word, that I word, intentional, which is important in this spiritual walk, and just just knowing that you have to be intentional. And even like Hillary said, that's such a best practice or a great approach to really being disciplined or disciplining yourself by actually setting alarms and reminders. And even for me at work, I have things blocked off that say midday devotional, like, you know, morning, morning declaration, or you just really have to be in, uh, intentional with the time because, again, the enemy will pull you in all different directions. But with regard to the prayer question, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. So for me, that means throughout the day. I mean, pray without ceasing is just that. So, uh, I mean, you wake up, you pray, you know, just throughout the day I'm in prayer, before I go to bed, prayer. Um, I don't know that it's quantifiable, um, but, uh, but again, you know, I just, the scripture just says pray without ceasing. So I just, I, all day I'm in prayer, like about everything. Okay, grocery store. Okay, Lord, what shall I get today for dinner? I mean, like I am probably a little, uh, I'm probably a Jesus fanatic. Is that, that's probably what you would call it. But I think that there's no way, there's no other way to live than giving him um, first place. And I think Sister Rhonda said it, Lord, or someone said it, Lord of, Lord of your life and first place in your life. So everything that I do, I'm in prayer about it all. Okay, God, what do you think? Oh, okay, should I go here? What should I have for dinner? Should I have this or should I go here? Because I could go to a restaurant, maybe the Lord wants me to go to another restaurant because it's an opportunity to minister to someone. But because I didn't seek his face and seek his will for something as small as dinner or a dinner choice, I missed an opportunity to lead someone to salvation. So there's so much. It's, so, it's really so deep. It's really, really so deep. But, again, I, I don't know that, that it's quantifiable. So thank you. Yeah, that's great. And I think you're like a great point. You know, one thing, uh, even among, like, professional athletes and musicians and even those that have uh, obtained PhDs, you need about 10,000 hours to be considered an expert in something. And 10,000 hours over a course of maybe about 10 years that you can obtain but that's what the average expert in any field, whatever whatever field it is that have the claim that that is an expert, has spent of have dedicated at least ten thousand hours to it. And I think now I'm not saying should you do ten thousand hours. I don't. I would say I don't think it's a bad idea to do ten thousand hours. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not as hard as we think it is. But that just shows that's what people do. What people love, they spend time with. And they're giving themselves wholly over to it. And I think that in this time, believers, that we have to make more room for God. Let's, let's be, as April said, let's be radical and fanatical about our faith. Let's, let's let our faith dictate the decisions we, we do. You know, let's not make the Lord an afterthought after I've consulted with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And when I have no one else to consult to, Okay, Lord, let me see what you think. But, but what happens when we start going to God first? What happens when we don't make decisions until we're heard clear from God? What happens when we truly enjoy God, when prayer isn't a burden, but it's like a real conversation and intimacy? And I think that's what God desires for all of us. There's so much potential that's left on the table with you and I because we're giving God sloppy seconds. You know, we're giving him the afterthought. We're giving him what's left over. And I think right now we can, it has to be a paradigm shift. And this is why I think that unfulfillment is lingering around so many people today. 
is that they're thinking it's in materialism. It's like if I can get more, I can do more if I need this. For, but that's not the real, that's not the source of it. The source of it is our truest happiness is in God. I, I mean, the famous philosopher of, and a theologian of, of Augustine in the uh, fourth century, he said, you know, our hearts are restless until they find rest in me. That is true. We, we were created, wired for the express glory of God and to enjoy him forever. That is the ultimate prize of life that, that those who are believers, that a professor of Jesus Christ who live faithfully, that one day we're going to be with him forever, unfiltered, exactly see him as he is, experience him constantly, other believers. That is a bliss that cannot even be expressed. But there's a lot of great things we, you and I can enjoy right now, but we have to really deal with our lack of time with God. You know, what are some of the things that you guys think? I mean, what are some of the things that, that you think are roadblocks to that? And I'm not talking about acceptable roadblocks, but just things that people struggle or trip over in terms of why they give God sloppy seconds or why they're not as fervent and committed to God as they, as they could. Praise the Lord, Bishop. This is Brother Greg. Hey there. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Excellent. Well, I think most of the time because we were raised on self-preservation first. So we were raised, I think most of us, I don't know, just speaking myself, is raised to lean and depend on self. A lot of us wasn't really geared to lean and depend on Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. But as you guys were talking in the past, I believe God created us in our hearts, that there's just a spot that he can fill. I mm. think that's why we have a lot of alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, people who are sex anonymous or whatever, people that like sex all the time, because they're looking to try to fill that void, and they don't know how to fill it. And I learned personally myself that that void only can be filled by Jesus Christ himself. Once you seek the Lord presence in his fullness, then that void and all that other stuff that you've been missing, that materialistic thing doesn't even matter. You have a greater content doing a greater work for God. You have a greater content praising God. When you come to a realization that you are nothing without your God, then your world is about your God, and then God becomes first. I guess it's just like when you first meet, uh, when we were young kids and you fall in love with a young lady, you know, you, she was your whole world. And that's the kind of love that we have to have for Christ that Christ becomes our whole world. I find a lot of times in church people say they love Christ tremendously and to it's time to do something for the house of God or when it's time to do something for God or when it's time that it costs them something. And then you find out how much folks really love God because they refuse to sacrifice because they don't trust God enough to relieve that God will supply all of our needs that God is more than enough. Hmm. It's like yeah. people struggle with their tithes and their offerings because they don't believe that if I release these funds, that God is going to release back unto me. 
So I think it starts from a child for me. That's what I believe personally myself. But I believe also the more you get to know Christ, the more you want to know him. Yeah, that's that's very good. Yeah, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, Greg. I, I, I think you hit the nail with the coffin. And I think that it's our willingness to sacrifice. I mean, some of us feel like we may don't have to sacrifice. I mean, Christ sacrificed everything, therefore I just enjoy everything that's been offered to me. And I think we may have fall, we have fell prey to that mindset of the selfie generation where it's just all about me and I don't want to give and I want to sacrifice. And, and, and that's ludicrous. It's actually counterculture to what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. So there, there is a, a great deal of our faith learning how to be humble, learning how to think of others ahead of ourselves, learning how to sacrifice and, and to give with more than, what, than what's expected in return. So, yeah, these are all kinds of things. And I think you hear it about family time. This is where I think the, one of the greatest rubs is that people are, you've know, you got the two groups. You've got those that are blatant and those that are subtle. The blatant group is like, hey, you know what? i got to take care of my family. You know, if I, I'm not going to block off my Sundays to spend time with God. If I got golfing outings or I want to do this and do that and do that, you know, it's my Sunday. I can do what I want to do. As the tones are just saying, well, you know, having days where I just honor God and I protect that at all costs, you have, you know, you do have that, that real struggle that people want to call them, that people are having, that they're not setting aside even corporate time with others. That's so important for our health and growth on that. So, yeah, any other, I mean, just, this is what Robert Meester wrote about about our our commitment, and let's stop giving God sloppy seconds. If you if you unknowingly doing that, then this is a good time for us to repent and ask the Lord, Lord forgive me that I made you last place. You know, not even second place, I mean last place, God. You know, Lord, that I haven't I, I haven't honored my relationship with you the way I should have, and, I, and Lord, I wanna. I want to change that, Lord. I want to make you first. Help me, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. And I think the Lord will do that. And those that have blatantly do that, you know, some of us, we know better. We know what God has done for us. We know the testimonies of how God is. We know that when, when, when all the chips are down, when every else things are wrong, who is the one that will stick with us to the end? The Lord does that. So we have to, you know, we have to put things in the proper perspective. So, so yeah, this is uh, for those that have joined Dan, you're joined, joined. And thank you so much for joining us about that life, a podcast with yours truly, Bishop Quincy with Ken Watkins and I, and we're talking about giving God sloppy seconds. And this is the conversation has been great, and just hearing a lot of the thoughts and the feedback as we kind of wind down, wind down in the next few minutes. I do want to open it up for those that even have questions that may be different than ones that I'm asking about. I mean, what's next? I mean, how do we you know, we everywhere I'm going, I'm hearing this word revival, revival, revival. Everyone's having a revival, revival, but yet we don't see the reflection of a revived heart consistently on the people. And in terms of, you know, not giving God, you know, sloppy seconds, how do we speak into that? What should be, what should be part of our messaging? You don't have any thoughts about what should be our messaging? What? What is that succinct message we need to convey? Well, this is Brother Greg Bishop make a comment. I think personally myself is we have to really come to the realization of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. We can't just say it. 
but we have to realize that if we think about our God, we have to go to the core of our God. Our God is love. He loved us so much that he gave. Our God loved us so much that he gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us grace and mercy. He gave us a son that died on the cross. When you really love somebody, then you become a giver to that person or to that cause. So I think to really rectify that is we have to figure out a way to give more of ourselves so we don't have to give become second uh, to give God second, uh, I mean, copy second, as you would say. We have to learn to open up our hearts and look at the man in the mirror and really weigh our pros and cons. And like you said, about our prayer life, uh, about our serving God, about our second services, uh, whatever the cause may be, we don't have to give God second, sloppy seconds. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Greg. Others? Anyone else? There's a lot of good stuff to kind of chew on and, and, and to meditate on, and I think um, I think this is a wake-up call for us all. So let's let's ponder these things. Let's cogitate. Let's think about. I mean, Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to be that one that's giving you a sloppy second. I want to. I want to turn it around. I want to change. You know, the Bible says that we can confess our faults and faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Bible says that we draw nigh to Him in the book of James, that he'll draw nigh to us. So there is a plethora of promises that God has for those that who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6 said he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we have enough enough promises that hanging over our head to telling us why it's beneficial to make God first in all things. And I'm just excited. I'm excited for what God is going to do. With with the church, the church is to be a light to the culture. You know, we're not there to condemn our culture. We're there to be light and salt. We're there to show them that the kingdom of God is for them, and that and that Jesus loves them. He desires to have a relationship with them. Regardless of who you are, Jesus loves you, and He desires to have a relationship with you. And he wants that. And having a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that we ever can have. And and we who are already in the ship. If we don't live with that kind of fervor and that kind of excitement that, man, I want to be like that person, that person is on fire, that person is happy, that person is on the move, that person is doing things, then that could be a really sad testimony that that we're not being the example that we should go. So I just want to thank everyone uh, for uh, being a part of this broadcast. As you know, we have some really – Good uh, topics that are coming up over these weeks, and just want you guys to continue to tune in to of about that life. You're truly Bishop Quincy Wolfgang Watkins. Take care of you guys. Thank you so much for joining. God bless. God bless. Bye.